Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Oh, it's time for another Exploring the Prophetic, and I'm so excited about today's episode because I have Sterling Harrison. Now, some of you remember Sterling from an earlier episode where he's an NFL player, but also a formal federal prisoner, and he shares his story about how he came out of prison and how God used that story to bring such redemption in his life and to so many other people as well. Well, he also teaches on the prophetic and he has a ministry and a business at the same time. And I just love this guy. You're going to love him too. I wanted to have him on for a part two for this season, for our current season, because I felt like we needed to talk to Sterling as a, someone who's a biracial about his experience with racism and how he overcame some of the racial issues in his own life. And I don't want you to press, uh, I'm exhausted with that subject button in your heart or like, I'm fatigued by that or cultures talk about that because we're going to be doing it from an approach of the Holy Spirit of God change us and you care about this issue in society all over the world and you are the Jesus that every tongue, every nation is going to bow in front of and confess that you're Lord. And so races of all types are all equal and they all mean something to you. And we want to be able to have a redemptive connection to everybody who's alive right now. And so we need to have uh, more conversations about this. And again, like we're, I'm not the the best conversation leader about anything racism at all. And, uh, but I care about the issue and I care passionately about people thinking the right way, having a Christ mindedness. And so we're going to have the conversation, whether I'm the best one to lead it or not, it's going to help you. And I know that Sterling himself is such a humble guy and such a connected guy to the Holy spirit where God's led him on his own personal journey of repentance and change. And he leads other groups and people through just a, a really sensitive Holy spirit exchange between God's heart and maybe some of their biases or their what he calls the isms. So stay tuned. Don't check out. You're going to love this episode. He is so alive. You're going to love Sterling because he's so full of life. Coming up next on Exploring the Prophetic. The most important book I've ever written is coming out. It's coming out on February 22nd through bowlsministries.com. You can get a copy. It's called Encounter. And this book is going to prepare you for what God's doing now and the upcoming move of God that's imminent, that God's shown me. And I believe this book is going to help people to come into their assignment and the greater works we're called to. You can get the book now. And if you get it, if you pre-order it in this time frame, you're going to get a free e-course. If you pre-order a wholesale cost of three, five, or 10 books, you also are going to get the e-course and a prayer prophetic ministry appointment. We're going to pray for you as a team and believe in God's greatness in you. We need people who've had encounters to be raised up right now and see the greatness of Jesus through their calling. So go to bowlsministries.com and pre-order today. Welcome back to Exploring the Prophetic. And I have a guest who's been on before, Sterling Harris. But we're going for a part two because Sterling has so much to share with the world around him. And such an incredible testimony and story. I wanted to go deeper and, and I wanted to go deeper into subjects of the prophetic and how he hears from God because he hears from God clearly and helps other people and equip other people on this subject. But also, as you can tell, if you're watching visually, he's biracial. And this is something in this time where he's been being more and more of a voice over the issue of racial reconciliation, especially for Christians in the body of Christ by default. I think sometimes Sometimes you get pigeonholed, I'm sure, Sterling, as far as people say, hey, do you have anything to say about this? But I really feel like the few conversations we've had about this, like I feel like you have authority and you just get it. Like you have some some racial intelligence that a lot of people don't in the church today. And we need more of that because obviously no one's having this conversation well, including myself, but I'm trying to have it. That's my point is I'm trying to have that conversation consistently. Every season we've had two or three Voices come from different minority communities and share about the prophetic or about their church world or their experience and how to grow. And it's helped us all so much. And I love your story uh, that was not based on this subject, just your life story. But I want to bring us into right now, just where you're at today. How are you doing? What's going on? Give us kind of a bird's eye view of your life. Well, Sean, thank you again for having me on. And it's just such an honor that you are having these conversations. These conversations have been anointing on them. 
because I've actually watched things like this before. And then God, through a dream or through our quiet time together, would bring conversations like this back to me, and wow. it would lead to my own freedom about oh, racial so reconciliation into my own heart. That's so okay. And I hope that's the expectation of people who, when we have these kinds of talks, because I feel like it's been, there's been so much confusion on racism and racial issues in America specifically, but all over the world, that now people are fatigued from even talking or listening about it. So they just kind of turn off or tone out or whatever. And today we're going to have a, a conversation. It's not just a, um, an issue-based conversation. We want to have a story-based conversation. So let's talk about you growing up and tell us about your story as far as your God story over this, this specific issue, but also just your God story as a mixed race young man growing up in this world. I know you're in Texas now, but we're, you know, tell us about your life. Well, I grew up in Texas. And so, so my story as far as racial reconciliation or just race relations began before, really before I was even conceived. Mm -hmm. My parents, my mom is white, my dad is black. And in that day and age, I'm 40 years young right now, Sean. God's keeping me, God's keeping me age. as young as I can, right? The good age. You I'm just, in my, I'm just okay. in my first trimester of life. <laughs> right. I love that. And so even before my, my parents got married, my mom's dad refused to go to the wedding oh. based on what he felt like was going to be an undue hardship put on the kids. And so again, that's a that's a, a belief system, a limited belief system that he was operating under, but it was based on hardships that he had seen other people have that had interracial marriages. So yeah. in some ways you can fault him for his thinking, but if you don't know better, so many times you don't do better. Yeah. And and that's then so when I, and then after I was born, he you know, he saw the happiness that my parents had and he and he got to know me personally and he got over what I call one of his isms, which is yeah. basically in the context of this conversation, an ism is a limited belief system because there's good isms. There's baptism, there's evangelism, there's mm. exorcism. Hopefully there's <laughs> there'll be some exorcism going on yeah. <laughs> on this show for the people watching. Cause I know God has exercised a lot of things out of me over the years when it comes yeah. to this subject, which we'll get into later. But at the same time, that was one of his isms. It was a limited belief system that he had that God over time through various circumstances changed those limited belief systems that were not in line with God's heart mm -hmm. and God's love. So growing up as somebody who was biracial, especially back then, it wasn't widely accepted, especially in the South here in, in the state mm -hmm. of Texas. There was a lot of, I remember growing up, there was, we would walk into a restaurant and people would kind of look and you, you could see them start talking amongst themselves. There was wow. people that, that kind of, you know, said things under their breath. And there was even people that there's times that my dad got into altercations with people because they were acting racist towards us. And, and this is black people and white people, because yeah. of what so many people don't realize, I mean, they... People want to have a conversation one-sided on the on the black side of the ledger, uh, and and that's not okay. Yeah. And I'm am a biracial person is telling people that's not okay. Does there need to be a, a special emphasis and a special look at what's going on within the black community, how they're being treated? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. But there but there is isms on all sides, not just black or white, all sides. There's things in people's hearts that are not in line with God's heart. And anything well, I'm, I'm that's- thinking, Let me just kind of interrupt you a little bit because I, I totally agree with this principle. I'm just thinking of you as a child having to, because me as a child, I never walked into a restaurant and had anybody judge us as, on a family level or talk about us. So it does put a different fight or connection or awareness in your life that's way different than what I ever, I mean, I, I can tell you, like, I never, ever went into a restaurant and ever felt weird or into a store or into it. So, you know, somebody who hasn't experienced that to somebody who listening to somebody who has, I mean, that's that right there puts a different, um, a different place before the throne for justice in, 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 in a whole marginalized, you know, people group type way of what you've experienced, meaning there's many people groups right now in America or whatever country you're talking about or talking to 
that when you have a bias or an ism, like you're saying, um, like I don't have racism, but I don't have the experience you've had. So I have certain biases where I don't even understand it. Or I don't have empathy or compassion for what you walked out until I hear your story. And so when you have people who've been marginalized in some ways, there's something that God wants to restore and bring value to. And also part of that value in restoration is just compassion itself and empathy itself that helps us to understand each other. So you just gave me one more key in the journey of understanding. It was just a little one because I'm picturing my little six and eight year old daughters. And if they had to deal with what little Sterling had to deal with when you were growing up, and that's just one part of your story, one dimension of your story. And, and you know, it's, I'm sorry, I had to camp there for a minute because I just feel like some people who feel like I'm not racist, I don't have anything against, you know, whatever types of people there are. I was raised by generational racist people. My parents weren't, they had biases, but they weren't extremely racist, but their parents on both sides were. So, and they they wouldn't think they were, but they were. And so like, I think we're in a new place of conversation now, especially as Christians, where it's like, it's not enough to just go, I like all this type of people group, whatever it is, Asian, white, black, whatever, you know. Hispanic, there has to be something where it's it's not just I like somebody because that's not a big enough answer. It's a I understand what God's put in your people group as redemptive value and that it's it is different than other people groups. That each one of us has, whether you're biracial, whether you're complete racial, whatever it is, that each of our differences shouldn't be marginalized or separated, but that it should be connected to. And so I love what you're saying in the sense of like these biases and these isms, because when we strip ourselves from separating wrongly, we can, we can actually identify the redemptive gifts on each people group and benefit from those gifts that God designed. A lot of people believe that the Tem- Temple of Babel, that's when all the racist and spe- people speaking different languages happened. But that's theologically not correct. God had created people to be very different and diverse already. It's just they diversified of language and ideal systems at that point, because they were trying to enter into a spiritual reality in a wrong way. So God separate and judge them. That's not racism. That's not God dividing races. That was just God creating a, 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 a break in the connection that was around wrong ideology. And so I feel like we have to come back to God's original plan, which was there's diversity and there's unity in the midst of diversity. So I say all that, sorry, I front loaded a little bit on purpose, just because I got touched by your story. And I feel like I want to have that in the conversation as we go forward, that who you are is exactly who we need right now in the kingdom of God. And we don't need anyone to conform. Who I am right now is exactly who we need. I don't need to change who I am, but I do need to come into internal change to understand more. Sorry, there we go. Give it back to you. No, no, Sean, you said exactly what God has put on my heart over and over again. It's internal change. Yeah. Internal change. There's a there's a revolution happening, a revolution of love where God is overthrowing religious mindsets he's throwing over limited belief systems he's overthrowing racism and he's doing that through intimate connection with him and hearing his voice yeah. and and that's the re- and, but it, first of all what has to happen is redemption you have to realize that you have isms that you have mm-hmm. biases that everyone has some type of prejudices in their mm-hmm. in their life even myself, there has been so many isms, limited belief systems, or, or prejudices that God has shown me over my life as I've been walking with the Holy Spirit in communion with Him that, that were wrong belief systems for Black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people. I mean, you name it, God has convicted yeah. me across totally. all spectrums of cultures. And anyone who says, I don't have a racist bone in my body— I'm sorry, they're self-deceived. I know that some people oh, may not believe it. Me. That's what's <laughs> weird. As Christians, you and I, like we could have this conversation where I'm used to being convicted by the Holy Spirit and having to change. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to being wrong at times. You know, I'm used to having to shed some of my flesh skin. You know, like just I, I know that that's part of who. But it's weird to me when I hear Christians or ministers or leaders who say, you know, I'm not this, I'm not this. And their first response of defensiveness versus openness because they're afraid they're going to, going to somehow line up with a political agenda or they're going to line up with a narrative that's out there that's not what they're trying to say. So they'd rather say, I'm not, just so that they don't come into wrong alignment with something that is. And I'm like, don't be afraid. Just you know, be authentic. Be, the Holy Spirit's convicting me regularly in conversations of things that I would have never been convicted for 10 years ago, I promise. So I agree. And, and and Sean, that's what people need to realize. Just admit, just say to yourself as a listener right now, 
I have racist bones in my body and Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're going to show them to me. (laughs) And then, and then get ready for God to visit you in dreams for him to bring things up for him to stir things up in your life and just be open and vulnerable and humble enough to realize that everybody (laughs) has prejudices, no matter your, I mean, I've been prejudiced against my own race before. I mean, I mean, on both sides. So it's something that people just, and this is recently, I mean, I was a, I mean, when God convicted me of some of these things, I was walking in the gifts of the spirit, seeing healings, seeing people, people's legs grow out. I mean, I was seeing all kinds of amazing things and, and God, not a couple of years ago, I was having some quiet time with them and it was the beginning of the year and God had given me a prophetic word about all this increase. And it was the year that I ended up meeting my wife and he was talking about all this increase, but I said, okay, God, I've been walking with you long enough to know when you say you want to increase me. So many people think about stuff and, and monetary values and things like that and relationships increasing. But see, I know if you want to increase me in the kingdom, I have to love deeper, and that means to love deeper and receive more of your love. I have to get freer. So let's yeah. just let's just start yeah. right here. What do you want to deal with me on this year? And I heard clear as a bell in my in my heart the flowing thought: "You're a racist." Wow! And I saw the word "racist" in white letters in my mind. And that's a. a uh, of course, that's a way that God speaks actively to all of us. I had an inner visual experience, yeah. and then I had a flow of thoughts or an impression that came as a flow of thoughts in this case. And I saw that word, and I said, I started laughing. I said, Jesus, I can't be a racist. I'm half black and half white. That's impossible. <laughs> and you know, have you ever argued with God? Oh, yeah. I, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't realize you're doing it. You're just like, wait a minute. Like, let me put you in check, God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but I'm half black and half white. I'm kind of impossible for me to be a racist. Oh my gosh! And then he starts showing me. I said, okay, God, I'm going to humble myself because obviously I feel this strong in my spirit that I'm hearing rightly. So, and I just almost humored him. I'm like, what's he going to say? Okay, Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring to my heart and everyone can do this, Holy Spirit, bring to my heart how I've been a racist. Mm-hmm. And John mm-hmm. and Sean, I start having this slideshow of my life of comments that I made wow. about a specific sub-people group within the Black community. And I just start wow. seeing all these prejudices, all these media things that I took hold of, all these people that I met that that because of my prejudice, I grabbed that. And when I saw the good, I discounted what the good was, or I discounted things that challenged my limited belief system. So then I said, okay, God, where did this come from? Because I don't want to be like this. And it was, it was, it was something that he then took me back to an individual experience I had when I was eight years old. Like he took me back to where I was eight years old. I see this vision and I see myself walking up to see my, my uncle who had just passed away. I was a little kid and I'd never seen a dead body before. And wow. this lady that was a heavy set black lady in my mom, in my grandmother's church, I walk up there and I'm scared. Sean, I'm looking over into the, the casket and she grabs my hand and puts it on him. And I I'm so wow. scared. I run back to my grandmother. And so I developed, God showed me that I developed this belief system based on that trauma that mm-hmm. that heavy set black women are scary wow and they and and they're scary and they're not safe that was the core belief system that i had so of course media portrays sometimes as heavy set black women is loud and this and that and i grew up my aunts were heavy set and they were very well spoken they were people would say you know certainly you talk too white that's what the black kids would say and then it's like and then the white kids would call me the N-word. So I was like stuck oh in the God. middle. It seems like my whole life's like, you're not, you're too white for the black kids and you're too black for the white kids. You're kind of just like, in no man's <laughs> land right there. But as God took me back through this inner visual experience, I realized, wow, I am a racist. I have had these isms. I've had this negative belief system wow. 
against heavy set black women being unsafe because of a trauma that I had when I was a kid. And then when I was, when I was 12 or th- when I was, I think it was like 11 or 12, I had also another trauma with the heavy set black young lady. And so that, that just compounded and as God showed me this compounded those belief systems that, that heavy set black women are unsafe and it was a wrong thinking and, you know, Sean, it showed itself as these slideshows, it was little comments that I would make. It was jokes on television that I would yeah. laugh at. It was these stereotypical things I would see on TV and anything that supported my tabletop belief of the, that people group being unsafe, I added legs to that table. And wow. God also showed wow. me things that challenged that, like when I met somebody who was safe that matched that criteria or that sub people group of the black community. And they were well-spoken. They were, they were, they were, to me, they were, they were a really safe type of person in the way they carried themselves and the way that they did all kinds. They were just a good, a good solid person. It's funny because Hollywood portrays like kind of heavy set black women as kind of the safest people there are, whether it's the movie, the shack or whether it's, you know, I think of Octavia Spencer over and over, but different people who are, you know, in Hollywood who are the, you know, in the matrix, the older black woman who's a little heavy and it's just like she becomes kind of the prophet, the Oracle, like these kinds of, so it's funny that you had this experience because like we're projected that that's one of the safest people groups. And yet that's something that really affected you and traumatized you when you were growing up. Just wanted to add that in, like how we could have a bias that's based on our own experience when everything else out there might be telling us something else, even if that's not true too, we don't know, but you know, it's like, it's interesting. And, and you know what, Sean, and that supports what I, what I'm saying is I didn't grab hold of those things. Like, yeah. because it, there's so many times that people, when their belief systems are challenged, they, they just discount what they're experiencing. Yeah. But when things match up to their belief system, they say, okay, well, this matches up to my belief system. And this is a subconscious thinking. I didn't yeah. realize I was doing this, but you're, you're right. In all, like a lot of media, heavyset black women are like the safest people ever. Yeah. And you know what? My, the, the woman who helped raise me, my grandmother, she was a heavyset black lady. But I still had these, I still had this, and I, and I, just, I guess I just put her in another category but everyone else I put into this and I didn't know it, Sean. And this is a, wow. this is just a couple of years ago that God convicted me of being a racist. And I was, and I repented and I gave, I gave forgiveness where forgiveness needed to be. I repented. And, and you know what, Sean, I began to take thoughts captive. So when a thought like that, I would start noticing if I had a thought or if I agreed with something I saw on television, if it, if, if it's something that was in that old limiting belief pattern, yeah. I would say, Jesus, I thank you that I don't think like that anymore. And I would re- remember, I would rest in the memory banks of that deliverance that God gave That's me so with my special time yeah. with him. And I tell you, Sean, I love that people group today. And there's, there's nothing on that anymore. But I couldn't have told you if you would have told me, if you would have said, Sterling, you're a racist, I argue with God. Do you think I would have argued with you, Sean? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes. You couldn't have convinced yeah. me. I mean, the only person that convinced, could have convinced me that I was a racist at that you point know, was Jesus. I like this conversation though because I, I think the fact that God brought that up in you and he argued with you is so beautiful. About It shows how much he cares about this. And because I've had a few of those moments too where I'm like, I'm not that God. And he's like, let me show you. It's kind of the thing of where, you know, Jesus is like, you know, you know, we, we put him on the cross by our sin, even though it was 2000 years ago, like my sin put him on the cross, not just the people who are alive then and before then. It's like, I am a sinner too. And I feel like there's this weird self-righteous thing when there's a hot button issue where we don't want to identify with it because now it's being told that it's a black mark in society. It's a de- it's a demon, you know? So if we say, Hey, I have some bi- racial bias, or I have some ideas that need to form is I'm a Christian, I need to more be more like Christ who loved everybody. And I'm not always that person. And it could be as simple as somebody who just wasn't around someone wasn't traumatized, and they just don't like Mexican country music. And so they're like, oh, I can't stand Mexican music, because they don't like one style of it. And there's just that statement that isolates you from enjoying who people are, because you have made a power statement inside internally, that becomes like a vow. 
or becomes like a block or becomes like, you know, and I just think, you know, the people that I mar- or I um, judged as I was growing up, if I had judged somebody for something, God's now given me people who represent that group in my life who I had to love really well. And, you know, that's, I think that the more we get close to Christ, the more he gives us opportunity, especially the things we judge the most or don't like the most, he puts it in our life and in our face to love so that we have to change because he wants us to be more like Christ. And the only way to do that is to attack and assault us in the areas that we're, where um, we have pride or arrogance and he gives us position to love. So he attacks by his love. So I love what you're saying, because I feel like some of the listeners who are listening today, maybe this is a new take on it for people to just think about the Bible basics of we're forming every day to be more like Christ. And there's things inside of us that are just, that just keep us from love, that just keep us from seeing people with full value, that just keep us from valuing your story about one type of black women, because of a couple of stories growing up that caused you to not see people with the full value of Christ, that God will go after and argue with you. It, to me, is like, that's the beautiful nature of God. That's what happens through to, true discipleship. And there's a lot of people who aren't truly being discipled because they don't have areas that are growing. And if you're, if it's quiet in you and you're like, I'm not racist and it's quiet for a long time and you haven't had an increase of authority with people around you or love with people around you, you may not be growing. You may be more racist than you thought because there's been no conviction that's led you into conversations you wouldn't get into yourself. And that's the beautiful thing about the presence of God is he brings you into places you wouldn't lead yourself. And so maybe this is one of those areas. Okay, I give it back over to you. I just wanted to make some commentary. Sean, Sean, I know that the Holy Spirit is leading this because everything that God really spoke to me about, about how to have this conversation you're, you're, when you're, when you're giving your input, you're basically kind of just saying things that he put on my heart, which is, you talked about the agitation that God does, the loving agitation (laughs) that he does. And you saw this with, with Jesus all the time. He agitated people to the point, like you, you think that he didn't know that having Matthew as a disciple, as a tax collector was going to agitate people. Absolutely. I, I mean, what did he say to the to the crowd when he told them that story about how these two non-Jewish people were healed in the Old Testament and how how God could have moved with miracle signs and wonders within the Jewish community, but he, sh- he actually chose two Gentiles to move in the healing of a man with leprosy and then also, uh, also the... the the widow that uh, the Elijah provided for through the yeah. miracle power of God. And, and literally they went from like, this guy is the greatest guy ever. Who has the wisdom this guy does to <laughs> wanting to throw him off a cliff. Totally. What, what happened? Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. ism was already there, Sean. All Jesus did was agitate it. Like, you, wow. I mean, wow. I mean, Jesus, he didn't know what he was doing, man. He didn't know what he was doing. He sent out the first two people he sent out. He must've been confused because both of them were Samaritans. The first two people he actually sent out to evangelize was the woman at the well and oh, the madman yeah. of Gadara that had all the demons in the Jesus castle. <laughs> Those are the t- first two evangelists Jesus sent out. He must have been confused, bro. I don't know what he was doing. He must have. He must have been. I mean, he must have got a bad message that day. No, Jesus but don't was you think challenging too, like, that. And hearing what you're saying, it's like. Usually when God's about to deal with something, the enemy tries to agitate it in a wrong way so that we don't look at it correctly. And so I really feel that's happening. When in Minnesota, right when uh, the George Floyd thing was happening, I had prophesied that uh, the March before. I said uh, to, and the, the, the Republican majority leader was there and several other political people were there. And there was a couple other leaders. And I was interviewing him about uh, his, for exploring the prophetic, about his career. And I uh, just wanted to get a perspective. I hadn't had a lot of politicians on. I was being careful at the time. Yeah, but I just felt like to hear him because he's very, um, he's kind of the middle. So people from both parties really love him. Yeah, and Paul Gilzaka, Gilzaka, I can't even say Gilzaka. And, um, and when I was interviewing him afterwards, I prophesied, I came into a place in the spirit where I saw that, I saw Minnesota's destiny and I saw their destiny, especially Minneapolis, to be a place where there would be pilot programs for how to do racial reconciliation, racial unity, and uh, equitable pay, these kinds of things that there's going to be things in the armed forces, there's going to be things in the military, I mean, the police force, there's going to be things in local government that would be pilots for other places. And it wouldn't be known as a whiny, loud cry movement, but it would be known as a place of justice. So I processed that in March before George Floyd uh, was, was killed, just terribly killed. And, and then for that next season, all hell broke loose. 
And what Paul said to me when I talked to him, cause he's running for governor now randomly, but uh, I talked to him, you know, a year after the whole thing, uh, have a prophecy happened. And after George Floyd happened and he said, you know, what encourages me is I'm standing in, in, in a bloodbath in my state where people just hate each other. But I see the vision of God because what God wanted was more than what human humanity wants or what the enemy wants. It's like God wants to bring pilot programs. He wants to train our police force. Like I'm standing as a man of God, even if I don't make governor, I know this is the destiny of my state because you prophesied it and it's not going to be a loud whiny movement, but we're going to know how to do it together well and right. And it's going to be an example to the whole nation. So he's, he repeats the word to me and he's standing on it as an intercessor in a governmental office. And I feel like it's just so cool when you see that God's going to do something that's going to be a picture of how only God can do it. But right now we we have hell breaking loose before and man's agenda coming before it. But what's cool is like people like you and I who are saying, I'm willing to change God. Like I want to repent. I want to change. I don't want to go on with an issue the way man does it. I don't want to be empowered by the enemy. I don't want to be empowered by my own background, but I want to do what you want. And I think that that's, what's going to change things because God wants to do something in our generation that hasn't been done before. And you represent that. And I feel like we're about to hit it. So again, I'm, I'm long winded today. I'm not usually like this, but I'm just so passionate about I love it. hearing you just triggers the right things in me, man. I'm, I'm so glad I can feel the passion of what, of your heart on that, Sean. And you're right. The enemy always comes with a counterculture to what God is really, is what really doing. And there's so many times that God has prophesied something to me about what he was going to do. And then it didn't look like it in the natural, it looked like all hell was breaking loose against that situation, not all heaven breaking loose. But yeah. at the end, God has the final say. And, and one of the things that you said is it's about the individual accountability and individual revival, if you will. That what word's been thrown around a lot. Revival is not a meeting you attend. It's a lifestyle yeah. that you live. Come on. So it's, it's a situation where if you really, you can live in revival. You're living in revival right now. I'm living in revival. Revival is simply being connected to God in all circumstances, in the comfortable and the uncomfortable, in the negative and the positive, in the really challenging, the really victorious. Wow. You stay wow. connected with God and you live out of the overflow of that connection with God. You're led by a spirit. That is true revival because wow. revival is getting back to the original intent and purpose of the garden, which is being connected to the Holy Spirit and living out the purposes of God every day in your life. And that's really what I get on people about and empower them about is, look, you can be an activist, you can legislate change, you can get involved in the political arena. Those are all good things if you're led by the, by the Holy Spirit yeah. in them and you hear God's voice in that situation. But what I want to have people focus on is this racism is a heart level issue. Mm -hmm. It can't be legislated. It can't be like you, you can't just do activism against it. You have to empower people to hear God's voice, let them know that it's okay to have racist bones in your body. It's okay to have prejudices and, and have discriminatory thinking, but it's not okay to keep those things. Yeah. It's wow. okay to submit those wow. things to the Lord in humility and have him heal those things like he has healed them in my heart. I've been wow. I've been beat up by the police before. Uh mm. Sean, when I first got out of the NFL and got into business, I had a you know I had a like a really nice BMW. I got pulled over so many times because the police wanted to know what a young black person was doing driving a hundred thousand dollar, almost a hundred thousand dollar car. But I would, but instead of explaining to them that I was a business person, I just handed them my driver's license and my NFL card because there was a thinking behind it. Even though I paid for that that car with business money, it was much easier explanation than oh, black person, NFL, nice car. Okay, I'm letting you go. Wow. So it, it's one of those things, Sean, that I've I've been discriminated against by black people, by white people. I've had all these circumstances and situations that have that have happened to me. But do I let that be my filter or do no. I surrender that to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, this happened to me. Now I'm just going to submit and surrender this to you. There was a dream I even had this morning about 
some some racism that I was holding on to and some isms and some prejudice wow. I was holding on to about a, a coach that was very racist against my family to the to the point that there was an altercation with him and my and my and my dad in my in my house like it was a wow. very messy situation and God walked me through and this was dude this was a lot this was decades ago Sean God walked me through forgiveness just this morning because as I was meditating on this topic for the last couple of weeks, it stirred something up. But I was humble enough to say that even though I'm speaking on this today, even though I've had experiences with you, God, I'm not a finished project. I never Mm -hmm. will be. I'm in the I'm a potter in the hands of the master. And I'm yeah. going to humble myself and say, God, you know what? I do have an ism. I do have unforgiveness against this man. God, I, re- I was I was repenting this morning and crying out to the Lord for his mercy and his goodness. Mm-hmm. And that I didn't want to stay stuck in any old mindsets. God, deliver me from that. And I've had that so many times, Sean. There's been times that uh, you, you mentioned Hispanic people. There's this whole, there's a thinking that and a thought that I'm sure a lot of people get. I run a business and, and, and oftentimes I would, when I first got in and started, I would deal with a lot of Hispanic truckers and, and some of my best guys are Hispanic. I grew up, my best friend was Hispanic. How many times you heard that? My best friend was black. I can't be racist, right? Well, growing (laughs) up, my best friend was Hispanic. And yes, I have been racist against Hispanic people recently in the last couple of years. So get over it. I submitted it to God. I got over it. I got healed. You can too. Yeah. So I was talking to this guy and I couldn't communicate with him and I was getting frustrated. He was getting frustrated. And I had the thought, why can't they, Hispanic people that come over from Mexico, speak English? Like if you're going to be in business, speak English. Fleeting thought, had a little bit of inner conviction about it, got off the phone, knew that wasn't a good thought to have, but just said, you know, Jesus, I'm, re- I'm releasing this thought over to you. Then I have a dream that night that God brings it back to me. And I sit with him Mm -hmm. the next morning and he shows me this vision. He said, Sterling, let me ask you a question. How bad would your life have to be? And you talk about this empathy a lot when I've heard you talk about this, Sean. How bad would your life have to be for you to leave everything that you know, go over and not know what to expect, no resources, no anything, and go to another country where you don't speak their language and live? I'm yeah. like, well, Jesus, it, it had to be super, super bad because I wouldn't leave America at all. I wouldn't go. Yeah. I wouldn't go to Mexico even if it had all these things that, that America has. I mean, that that's just where my my heart was. And he's like, so imagine how bad. Put yourself in those people's shoes. Have some empathy for them. Yeah. And that's not the way I want you to think. So I repented before the Lord. I changed my thinking, and wow. I no longer have those thoughts anymore. And when I, right after that. That stuff would still come up, but now I just release it over the Lord and I rest in the memory banks of that deliverance and God changing my thinking. And now I, I actually, when I can't communicate with guys, that happens often because I'm still in the, the transportation sure. business in a large a large section of the, 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 the drivers are Hispanic and a lot of them don't speak very, very good English. And instead, I just get the lady on, my, on the phone in my office that speaks Spanish. And I, oh, and so I, good. and instead of getting frustrated, I remember back to the vision that God showed me of what so many people have to go through to get to this country. And it allows me to have empathy, which allows me to walk in God's love. And yeah. God wants to do that in every single person's heart in this world. And, and get these isms, these prejudices, these limited thinking, limited belief systems, trauma that you may have. Uh, from a certain people like I had, he wants to free you from those things, but you're going to have to sit with him. You're going to have to be open when he brings yeah. things to your heart. You're going to have to watch your dream life. You're going to have to take thoughts captive and you're going to have to challenge the isms within you and be humble enough to submit them to God and get delivered from them and then do the follow-up. Cause when things like that come back to you, when the, when the <laughs> enemy gives you a picture of how you used to think, you say, I don't think like that anymore, Jesus. I think you have the mind of Christ and remember and rest in what God has spoken personally to you about your specific ism. I just love when you do that. And then God's like, let me challenge you a little bit and show you how you still have some growth to do. Because <laughs> when you're telling that story, I remember um, just last year, I was I was brought into a, a customer service call, which are always my flail in life anyways. If you have to be online with like, 
ADT Security, AT&T, you know, and all of a sudden it goes to the call center in India or something or wherever, Bangladesh. And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to these people versus like actually coming back to a place that comes out of a culture of an honoring heart that says, you know what, this person is getting a job and they're, they're providing for Cause I've been to India. I've been to these places. Like the fact that we're able to provide jobs and an income source outside of their country, that's different. This is like a, actually a really beautiful experience if it's run well. And so I'm going to really honor this experience versus and press into it. Just, just, it is what it is. Sometimes it can be frustrating, but I'm not going to allow my frustration to be racism towards a people group. I'm actually going to understand. And so there's, there's those things where this is what I, I want to kind of leave on my end. And I, I, I'm going to give you final thoughts as well. Anytime there's a racism or a ism in us, it blocks us from something that God wants to do through us or in our hearts for us. And so we have to have the incentive of if we're going to repent, we're laying something down, right? So actually exchange, whenever we repent and we say, God, I want you to take this out of me, it's because we want him to put something inside of us. And if you have a block in your heart, I think of Sean Smith, who's one of my closest friends, him and his wife, Krista, and Sean, his dad was killed by uh, corrupt police officers, and he's a black man. And, uh, and so Sean, his very first evangelism time that he went out on campus with intention to see people saved, he got a white supremacist saved and they started a ministry together. <laughs> and so it's one of those things, but he had to overcome his own racism and his own, his own very painful traumatic past with his father. He had to overcome that so that his heart was open by the time he was really being discipled by Christ, that his first convert was somebody who would have been glad his dad died before he was saved. But now he gets radically saved, this white supremacist, and becomes his ministry partner. So I feel like many of you who, who are maybe listening or watching this, the reality is you have to have incentive in front of you that there's a there's a divine exchange that happens when we allow God to make us more like Christ, that when we allow ourselves to say, there's something in me that has to change, it's for our better and it's for the world better. And we're going to enjoy ourselves more. And we're going to enjoy what he brings to us more. And I just think if I had had the racism my family had, I wouldn't have gone to all these nations around the world. My best friend wouldn't be from Guatemala, Hona, who lived with me from the time he was 18 till he got married. And I wouldn't have had all these, you know, connections in, in Korea and Singapore and some of my super close friends who are like races from, I mean, I don't, we have a very blended friendship group and I wouldn't have had an open heart because my family didn't. My family was friends with all white people for the most part. So like, I wouldn't have had that experience of what God brought me into, which is a kingdom mindset to bring me across nations to really benefit from and who I am was developed because I wasn't just with people like me. And I feel like we need to have that exchange and we need to keep growing. Like I, I see areas sterling today that I need to grow through. So I'm going to give you a chance for final thoughts too, before we go. And then I'm going to talk about your book. And uh, we, I know we, we have to end this, which I hate because I love this conversation, but tell me your final thoughts. Can I do something? Can I flip it on you, Sean, just real yeah. quick? I, I'd like to just know before I kind of go over just some final thoughts, what are some practical ways that, that people can do to get healed of their isms that you have done. Is there anything that you want to share? I'm like flipping, I'm flipping the host yeah. over. Well, I think you, you've been the example of sharing these things. Like you've being open to the Holy spirit. He gave you a dream. He gives us encounters and don't run past encounters. Anytime you feel them, they, that kind of language is, is not, not conductive to the Holy spirit. And so whether it's women or whether it's a racial issue or a racial group, whether it's a certain type of people, too skinny, too fat, too whatever, anytime there's an us and them, it's an antichrist spirit. So then you have to look at it and go, what is an antichrist spirit doing inside of this conversation in my heart? It's, it's actually preventing me to love well. So I think a lot of us, you know, we have to grow in emotional intelligence or spiritual intelligence or racial intelligence, these kinds of things we have to grow in them. We can't grow in them without recognizing the breakdowns. Because when you recognize the moment that there is that thought or there is that feeling and that's substituting something that's greater that God has for you, you'll, you'll fight for it. You'll fight to change. You'll fight to grow. We don't repent because we feel bad. We repent because we want to become something. Feeling bad, shame-based repentance is only 1% of the real repentance that mature people do. Mature people, most of the time, a mature person is repenting. It's because they see the consequences of their sin and they want to become something greater. It's not just shame-based or it's not just, I feel bad. It's like, I actually, this is actually defeating who God is in my life. And so I feel like, you know, repentance, like we've been talking about the whole time is one of the things. The second thing is to recognize like when you can't dream with God without dreaming of the types of people he's put on the earth. And so when you're asking God, who's my who that I'm called to, you have to let him fill your heart with so many different types of people groups. Like I did foster care 
in my twenties because I, he filled my heart with children who were marginalized and at risk, who were 16 to 18 year old boys who were aging out of the foster care system. And a lot of them were, you know, the highest risk ones with ones that I had foster care with. And during that time, like I had kids come from, you know, four or five different racial backgrounds and I didn't have a grid for it. I was in my late twenties. I didn't have a grid for what I was dealing with their family background systems. So I had to let God lead the conversations and lead my heart because I didn't have the education for it or the, or the uh, ec- social economic uh, parallel, you know, in the, in those situations. But this is what God does is he takes us past what we have authority or what we can relate to. So recognizing that living a supernatural life takes us into spheres of poverty, racial issues, wealth, whatever it is that we would have never got to by ourselves and then letting God equip us there. So we're not stupid, <laughs> we're not stupid <laughs> no matter what, but letting God to be there. Those are some of the steps I would take. So thanks for asking. But I mean, yeah, I think you demonstrated those things very well through your stories and through what you've shared. You're so vulnerable, Sterling. And that's one of my highlights of this, of this conversation. And I appreciate you being vulnerable as well, Sean. It's just one of those things that I wanted to ask you that because I can tell that you, like me, have walked through practically how to get healed of your own isms. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to hear what your creative process is because what you, what Sean and I have been sharing is how you as the listener, you as the watcher can sit with the Holy Spirit and God can free you yeah. of any limited belief systems, any isms that you have, any prejudices, any discriminations you have within your heart that don't line up with his love and his best for you. And that's what true repentance is. True repentance is saying, I love you so much, Jesus. I want to be just like you. And because I want to be just like you, God, remove anything yeah. in me that's not like you. Good and when God. you have that as your heart position, God will visit you in a dream. Like Sean said, don't blow past it. God will convict you of a conversation. Don't blow past it. If you can't sit with God right then, just say, God, you know, there was something on that today. Earlier when I said that, earlier when I thought that, there was something on that day. Don't blow past it. Sit with God and say, God, what, it, what are you saying about that? Or if you have a dream, then that 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 next morning, talk to text on your phone. And then when you can get with God about it, because there's so many times God wants to heal these isms in your in your heart. But there's so many times that I blew past a conversation starter that God was having with me. And I didn't give him space to actually respond to the conversation that he wanted to start with me. So I just want to I want to encourage everyone yeah. that that this video is anointed. This recording is anointed. God is going to stir some things up in your heart. The question is, are you going to respond to the things that he's going to agitate and stir up in a way that bodes well with repentance? That's the real key. Are you going to have a heart that's humble and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. And whatever you want to heal, heal it. And then be real enough with yourself and God to say, you know what, I do have some isms and God, I'm submitting and repenting of those things. And God, I want you to do something different in my heart and then follow up and rest in what God has shown you about that particular ism you have. And don't go back, but go forward. Wow. You know, Sterling and I both teach on hearing God's voice and you have an incredible book I want you to share about in just a second. But I love that we're talking about, you know, one of the foundational ways we we all want to hear God about how to make more money or how to get into the best favor situations and impossible influence and these kinds of things, you know, but, but where God really starts as he disciples our character. And so when I train people from baby, baby basics, it's like, God's going to show you how to change. And a lot of this is through repentance. So almost every Christian, even if your cessationist background, Christians believe that God leads us to repentance and that's his voice, his voice and his kindness draw us to change as people to be more like Christ. And that's one of the first ways we really learn how to, to, to master the art of hearing God. So I want to encourage you to do just that, what Sterling was saying, and just take what he was saying as a prayer over your life. Sterling, how do people get a hold of you and tell us about your book just so people can get a copy? You can connect with us on sterlingharris.org. And we have an e- on, online e-course about how and I coach you, like how you can hear God's voice for yourself. All, a lot of practical information that we've shared even today on the show. And, and so I wrote a book, How to Hear God, 10 Ways God Speaks is available on Amazon and Kindle. And you can get it on any kind of like audio audio uh, book. And so I just want to encourage you guys to connect with our community. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. 
and just really connect as you connect with Sean's community, connect with our community, because our communities are both saying the same thing. You can hear God. God hears you. God wants to change you to be more like him, but it happens in the context of relationship. God has Sean and I running with the same message. We might say it a little bit differently. So if you, if you listen to Sean's stuff, please connect over with our stuff as well, because we're really saying the same thing. Sean and I just have a little bit different life experiences. And if you get a couple different sides of the, of, of those coins, you begin to get a fuller picture of how you can hear God's voice for yourself. Yeah. Well, I love it. So thank you so much for being on. And you heard from him. I want to encourage you guys to join uh, his community as well. Just like he was inviting you to do it, do it. You're going to grow so much. And that's what we want to do right now in 2022 and beyond. We want to grow and become fully formed Christians. That's what the world needs. And we're not going to do it without his voice and without the word. So come on the journey with us to explore the prophetic. Come on Sterling Harris's journey with his community as well. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening today. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line. And also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.